Hey there, future friends! This week, Batman's progeny saves the day, we get a really bad Airbnb experience, and we miss our mommy. This is the week of December 8th, 2023, and you are listening to Future Flex with Billiam. future friends we are back we are back with yet another episode i know i promised a godzilla review i haven't done it yet because i'm feeling lazy i did do it on tiktok but i it's easier to do a tiktok than it is to record a podcast episode but i may still do one just stay tuned and see but yes welcome to future flicks with billiam the podcast where i do go over all of the movies coming out during the week And I even recommend some to you going, hey, check this out. Why not? It doesn't look that bad. But guess what? On this show, I break all the films into two categories. The first is the limited releases. That's any movie that's not getting a wide release or a major streaming release that also did nothing to catch my eye. Does it necessarily mean it's bad? No, it it really doesn't. I mean, they could all be bad. Who knows? But what it means is that the trailer and the premise did nothing to catch my eye, so I am not going to put too much thought into it. In that category, I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, and who's in it. That's usually it. I may give a thought or two, but that's it. Next is the wide releases and interesting indies, just like it sounds like. Every single wide release, as well as every indie movie that did catch my eye. Those wide releases do include all of the major streaming services, and I do throw in some of the smaller ones, too. In that category, I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, and who's in it, and I do give my thoughts on it, and I wrap it all up in a nice little bow that I call the Billiams Interest Level Score, aka the Bill Score, and that can go anywhere from a 0 for those terrible films to an 11 for those films that make me oh so happy to be a movie fan. My friends, as always, let us start with the limited releases with a movie called Into the Weeds. Now, this week is a little weird because there are two, I think there's only two uh, movies that I'm confused about, about how they're being released. As you know, I use three different websites to tell me about the movies. Movie Insider, uh, FutureShowings.net or SomethingShowings.net, and IMDb. But Billiam, why would you use something other than IMDb? Well, they are not trustworthy. Though every movie, if you look at their coming soon, every movie that is on there is actually coming out that week. But they skip so many of the small ones, which I don't understand why. Because if you go to the smaller movies, if if you find it through uh, Movie Insider or something like that, and you look at the IMDb page, it does say release date, you know, whatever week, but it's just not listed. I don't know why. But the problem with using so many different websites is that they disagree sometimes so this first movie into the weeds one website as well as the trailer says it's a fathom event but another website says it's a video on demand movie so into the weeds the powerful story of a former bay area groundskeeper who took on monsanto after terminal cancer diagnosis this is a documentary 
and it's a true story, and it's scary. I mean, of course it's a true story. It's a doc. You know, I'm not going to say that. Not all documentaries are true. But this is terrifying. This really happened. Because Monsanto, we know, f***ing evil corporation. Wasn't that movie with Mark Ruffalo, Dark Waters, based on them too? Like, how, many, how much evil shit has this soul-sucking corporation done? And one of them is they lied about knowing that one of the ingredients in Roundup causes cancer. And so it follows this guy as he's dealing with the cancer and suing Monsanto because, yes, they knew and they hid it. And they're still around. Why they weren't shut down is bullcrap. You know why? F***ing money. And also, white-collar criminals like this don't really get in trouble for anything. Watch the movie Spotlight. They say it at the end. The people that caused the bubble burst that ruined the economy, ruined lives, nothing happened to them. Because they're rich white guys, why would we prosecute them? We have people of color to, uh, to arrest for having a little bit of weed on them. You know, the real criminals. Stupid bullshit. Anyway, if that sounds interesting to you, watch it. I'm not going to watch it because it's just going to piss me off. Next up, we have a movie called Raging Grace. I think I talked about this one or two episodes ago. Now it's coming to VOD. An undocumented Filipina immigrant lands a job as a care worker for a terminally ill old man, securing a better life for her and her daughter. But a dark discovery threatens to destroy everything she's strived for and holds dear. This stars no one of note, and you know what? It, it does look interesting. This does look like an interesting thriller because we have this woman who is trying to find a better life for her and her, her daughter, gets this job that sounds like it's going to get it, but weird shit starts happening, and uh, it, I think it sounds pretty cool, but not cool enough to put in the next section. Next up, we have a movie called Santa Isn't Real coming to VOD this week. After suffering a brutal attack on Christmas Eve, a young woman, Nikki, struggles to convince her friends that the assailant was old Kris Kringle. When Santa returns to terrorize the group, Nikki and her friends must fight to stay alive. This stars no one of note. And while I would normally like a movie like this, it's a, it's a holiday horror that has a lot of holiday flair in it. Like, it's quite obvious it takes place over Christmas. It just looks so bad. And I don't understand how some of these movies can find such bad actors because i wonder actually if it is the actors or or how much of it is directing because my high school drama club could have done better when we were that age. hell maybe even now even though most of us i don't think any of us are still acting you could grab us all now throw us in this movie and i guarantee you we could do a better job i, I don't get it next up my friends is a truly terrifying movie called total trust limited theatrical release this week Two families fight for justice from within the digital prison of the Chinese surveillance state. I hate to tell you, but this is a documentary about China. And uh, it's done by someone from Germany and the Netherlands, I think. Because the country of origin for this movie is Germany and, and, the, ne and the Netherlands. And it's about China. Because God knows if someone in China tried to make this movie, they would disappear. But yes, China sounds like a terrifying nightmare and I feel sorry for the people who live there. Because I think movies like this are important because it shows that you can be against a government, but not the people. Like, hate China, the government, not Chinese people. Hate Israel, the government, and Zionism, but don't hate Jewish people. 
Like it's very, it's a very important lesson that we have to get out there. Being critical of the American government doesn't mean you hate all Americans. It's the same fucking thing. Next up, my friends, is a movie called Origin. The unspoken system that has shaped America and chronicles how lives today are defined by a hierarchy of human divisions. This stars Anjanoe Ellis Taylor from Lovecraft Country, John Bernthal from Fury, Vera Farmiga from The Conjuring, Audra McDonald from Private Practice, Nicey Nash from Reno 911, Nick Offerman from Hearts Beat Loud, Blair Underwood from Deep Impact, Finn Whitrock from American Horror Story, Victoria Pedretti, I think, from Hill House and Bly Manor, and Jasmine Cephas Jones from Blind Spotting. This is a phenomenal cast, and I'm so surprised it's in this section after I saw that cast, but the trailer did a piss poor job of telling me what this movie was about. I don't know. Based on that premise I read you and the trailer, I cannot tell you a fucking thing about this film. And I don't want to risk wasting my time, even with a great cast like that. So let's skip that. Next up, The End We Start From, another limited release. A woman who, along with her newborn, try to find their way home as environmental crisis that submerges London in a flood water and sees a young family torn apart by the chaos. I said that weird, right? I don't want to re-record it. Let's just keep going. This stars Jodie Comer from Killing Eve, Joel Fry from Our Flag Means Death, Ben's Fold 5 Come As You Are from Doctor Strange, and Katherine Watterson from Alien Covenant. So another really good cast, but once again, I couldn't f***ing make heads or tails of the trailer. I got a little bit better than with Origin, but what the end we start from's trailer made me feel like was that they took two totally separate movies and then just fuse them together like a zipper. You know, one scene, another scene, one scene, another scene. And I can appreciate movies telling two stories. Like, this is before the event and then after the event. But when you make your trailer so hard to follow, especially for someone like me who's who has movies as a big part of their life, it, I'm just like, okay, why are you doing this? This and Origin could be really good. They could be good or at least entertaining. It's worth keeping an eye out for them. But as of this week and your hard-earned time off, I say let's skip it. Next up is a film called Fast Charlie. Charlie Swift is a fixer with a problem. The thug he's whacked is missing his head and Charlie will only be paid if the body can be identified. Enter Marcy Kramer, the victim's ex-wife, and a woman with all the skills Charlie needs. How convenient. This stars Pierce Brosnan from GoldenEye, Morena Baccarin from Firefly, and in his final performance, supposedly, James Caan from Elf. Not supposedly as if he's coming back to life, but supposedly as in, as of right now, this is his final film. Who knows if we'll find something else later that, oh, look at this lost James Caan film that was shelved because these studios recorded a whole movie and shelved it for the tax write-off, like Batwoman or Batgirl. F***ing Warner Brothers. This movie doesn't look bad. But it just looks so unfortunate for this cast, for another good cast. It just looks like a straight-to-VOD mess. You know, I don't know the last time we had such a wonderful-looking cast in any movie in the limited section. Uh, and now we've had it three times. That That's ridiculous. Two movies left, my friends, and one of them is called Poor Things. 
It's getting a limited release this week, but expands maybe nationwide. I cannot, I could not figure that out if it is or not, but expands to more theaters on the 22nd. I do think that this looks really, really good, but I'm going to talk about it more on the 22nd when it expands. But for now, I'll say this incredible tale about the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, a young woman brought back to life by the brilliant and unorthodox scientist Dr. Goodwin Baxter. This stars Emma Stone from Easy A, Willem Dafoe from The Florida Project, Mark Ruffalo from Spotlight, and Rami Youssef from Rami. I guess he had his own TV show. So just to give you an idea, and I'm going to keep this short because I don't want to just repeat myself in two weeks, but we have this film with Emma Stone playing this Frankenstein-like person. Like, she's brought back to life, but she's not the same person. She doesn't know how to act, and she has to learn about the world. So we're learning about the world through her eyes, through the eyes of this person brought back to life who doesn't know what the f*** is going on. Like, there's a scene in the in the trailer when she's in a restaurant with a bunch of other people and she takes a bite of food and just spits it right out on the plate and everyone's staring at her. And she's like, what, why would I keep this in my mouth when I don't like it? And they're like, well, yeah, but you don't do that. And she's like, okay, well, let's talk about this later. I'm going to go punch that baby that's screaming. And that's hilarious. Please don't punch babies. They don't deserve it. Anyway, that's the kind of stuff she does because she just doesn't know that you don't do that. You don't spit food out onto your plate when you're not a fan of it. When you're in public, you don't punch a baby because it's crying. No, there's no qualifier for that. You just don't punch a baby when it's crying, no matter whose baby it is, yours or someone else's. Uh, Of course, I don't expect you to like the sound of this movie just from that scene, but tune in again on the 22nd. Finally, in the limited section is a movie called The Oath, which is getting a limited release. 400 AD, in a forgotten time in ancient America, a lone Hebraic fugitive must preserve the history of his fallen nation while being hunted by a ruthless tyrant. But rescuing the king's abused mistress could awaken a warrior's past. This stars Billy Zane from Titanic and Eugene Braverock from Wonder Woman. And no, none of those two are the main character. The main character is no one of note. And something about the trailer just gave me the ick. It made me feel like there's some hidden message behind it I'm missing that I am not going to like. Watch a trailer yourself. You'll probably see what I see about it. There's just, there's something wrong. There's just something wrong with it. And it's not that it doesn't look good. Well, it doesn't look good, but that's not what's wrong with it. There's something else. Well, my future friends, before we go into our break before the wide releases in Interesting Indies, let me tell you, I am taking a break next week. My wife is coming back on the 14th. So I have a week to do all of the cleaning I should have been doing this whole time because I never learn. I am a lazy asshole and I would rather sit on my ass and play Pokemon and watch Dimension 20 on Dropout instead of doing some goddamn work. Even a little bit each day, I could have done that, but no, I didn't. So a lot of work to do in the, in the next week. I will skip this week and I will do the week after, so the week of the 22nd. The movies that are coming out next week that are worth a note, Wonka, of course, is the big one. We're getting chicken, the new Chicken Run movie coming to Netflix and a movie called Family Plan on Apple TV. Family Plan. Oh, it's that one with Mark Wahlberg and Michelle Monaghan. And then Finest Kind coming to Paramount Plus with Tommy Lee Jones, Ben Foster, Jenna Ortega, Tyler Sheridan. Holy shit. That is a great cast. 
Also, if you've heard all about that bullshit going down about the new Scream movie that I am now no longer excited for, uh, Melissa Barrera was fired because she spoke out in favor of Palestine because she's a decent human being, and she was let go by that awful company, uh, Searchlight Pictures, who now I am not going to support until they take it back. And then the, a couple days after, they announce that Jenna Ortega isn't coming back after, and they say, oh, but it's not because of this. It's because she has another uh, another project that's, uh, you know, it's not going to work. I do not believe that. 100% do not believe that. You're telling me that you publicly fired Melissa Barrera saying that one half of the main characters from your new Scream movies is not coming back. And then two days later, you chose to say Jenna Ortega is not coming back. Jenna Ortega, I fully believe, did have a, a uh, complication or something that's not lining up. But I also believe she would support Melissa Barrera because I think Jenna Ortega is a good person. So anyway, those are the movies to watch out for next week. Wonka, of course, the big one. Family Plan and Finest Kind also coming out. So my future friends, let us take our one and only break as we hear a word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. And we're doing fine with Robbie and Lisa. Please stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're, We're Doing, Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're, we're doing, doing fine. All right, future friends, we are back with the wide releases and interesting indies. So please come along with me on this journey as we find out about your viable options to watch this week. Let's start with one called Diary of a Wimpy Kid Christmas, Cabin Fever, coming to Disney+. Plus. For Greg, the winter vacations are going a little rough after getting stuck with his family in the snow and worrying about getting the new console. This features the voices of Hunter Dillon from some show called Holly Hobby, but he was the voice of Greg in the last uh, animated movie. And Erica Sarah, who real G's know her from Eureka. So we know they did some Diary of, of a Wimpy Kid live-action movies, and now they have also done animated movies. This is the second or third one, and this really is just for kids and fans of the Diary of a Wimpy Kid books. Everything in the trailer was just basic. Nothing that really made me laugh. It it could have really grabbed people's nostalgia for movies like A Christmas Story, but I don't really think it does that. Of course, I hate A Christmas Story, and maybe that has colored my vision, so maybe there are references and I just don't get it. But it's really just about this kid who is kind of exasperated with his family and wants the new gaming console. And I already cringe at whatever name they're going to call it, like the X-Station 2 
or mom, can you get me the Playbox Xeno? But I can really only criticize this so much because it is for kids and it is for kids who like Diary of a Wimpy Kid. So for us, all of us who may not have kids or may not know the Diary of a Wimpy Kid series, this gets a four out of 11. But if your kid uh, likes it, it could be priceless. Next up, we have a movie called The Cello, which I don't know if it's VOD or nationwide. This is the second movie this week. See, I told you about the other one that confused me because out of the three websites, they gave me different answers. One told me it was VOD. One told me it was nationwide. Another told me it was coming to theaters, but not nationwide. I don't fucking know which one it is. But what movie is this? The Cello. An aspiring cellist learns the cost of his cello is a lot more insidious than he thought. This stars Jeremy Irons from Die Hard with a Vengeance and Tobin Bell from the Saw franchise. And the young cellist is no one of note. This is just one of those movies that happen to get two famous people, and in Tobin Bell's case, moderately famous, and got them in the movie probably in just like a few scenes or like half the film and just put them on the cover or in the poster to get you into it. So we have this guy who is a good cellist and he breaks his cello. Something happens to it and he needs a new cello. And they're poor. They can't afford it. Womp womp. But in comes Tobin Bell, who has this weird little store, the kind of store you would find Gizmo at, and gives him this cello. Wow, it's so cheap. What's the, what's the, uh, what, what's the catch? Well, everyone who has owned the cello has died. It kind of reminds me of that old Samuel L. Jackson movie, The Red Violin, if you remember that. Except where that one is just like, they suffered a bad fate. This one seems like there's actually some haunting going on with the cello. And as interesting as this sounds, just nothing really grabbed me here. And it did 100% feel like Jeremy Irons and Tobin Bell in this trailer were just in a few scenes because most of it was about this guy and also what happened to the other people who had the cello. Think about Steven Seagal in Executive Decision. That gigantic piece of sh**, just think of that movie back when we still liked him and how he was in that movie for the first like 15-20 minutes and then he dies and then it's all Kurt Russell, John Leguizamo and oh I can do this Halle Berry, Oliver Platt, oh is that the one where the bad guy was David Suchet? Okay, I have to look it up. There it is. Kurt Russell, uh, Executive Decision, 1996. Kurt Russell, Halle Berry, John Leguizamo, Oliver Platt. I did it. Joe Morton, also. Joe Morton, also from Eureka. I forgot. He's the guy who, like, breaks his back or something. David Suchet, there he is. Steven Seagal, B.D. Wong. That was a pretty good cast. Who directed this? Stuart Baird. What else has he done? Come with me on this journey. Editor of Skyfall. Oh, that's cool. But what did he actually direct? Let's see. Star Trek Nemesis, U.S. Marshals. Wow. Okay. Not bad. He's only directed three movies, but I like all three of them. Let's be honest, though. With Star Trek Nemesis, it probably would have been better if Jonathan Frakes directed it. But okay, fine. Okay, that was a fun rabbit hole. Let's get back to talking about movies. The Cello looks like one of those movies that you would catch in the middle of the night on cable TV and end up watching it. You don't hate it, but at the same time, you're like, I don't really care if I ever watch this again. This movie is really dark, dark as in, as in lighting, because it is bordering horror thriller. 
but it's just another cursed object horror movie. And I, I've seen those a million times and there's nothing special about this one. So the cello gets a 5.5 out of 11. Next up, we have a movie called The Sacrifice Game. This is coming to Shudder. It's bad enough that boarding school students Samantha and Clara can't go home for the holidays. I don't know why I chose that voice, but let's keep going. But things turn deadly when a murderous gang arrives on their doorstep, just in time for Christmas. Yeah, I don't know why I did that. Eh, weird. This stars... This stars... I'm sorry, I'm done. This stars Menem Assad from Aladdin, Olivia Scott Welch from the Fear Street movies, and Chloe Levine from the QA. No, the OA. QA is that British show with Stephen Fry. No, that's QI. Oh, Jesus, I am tired. So let's let's just start again. And Chloe Levine from the OA, or the OA. I'm still not sure how you're supposed to say that. Yeah, I'm down. This is a Shudder original Christmas horror. And if you're a fan of Shudder, you know exactly what to expect. This movie looks like it. it's kind of in between, as far as hostage horror movies go, in between, in ser- level of seriousness, in between The Strangers and The Babysitter. Babysitter, that Netflix movie with Samara Weaving, I actually really liked it. Bella Thorne is in it, and she wasn't bad, but of course she played a ditzy cheerleader, and I think that's exactly the type of role she should always play if she wants to be anything other than terrible. But her death was fantastic. Anyway, as far as seriousness and darkness goes, it looks like it's in between the two, because the Strangers, really f***ing serious home invasion movie. The Babysitter, less so. So these three girls are home alone for Christmas. Why? I don't know. The movie will probably tell us. But they hear about these group of murderers going around who murder people on Christmas. Why? For Satan, of course. I'm pretty sure it is for Satan. But what they do is they break into this house, or they they knock on the door and these girls answer and they bust their way in. But it turns out that the owners of the house, there's something really f***ing weird going on with them. And so I think that is somehow going to be involved with how these girls get out of this. Like the owner of the house, one of the girl's parents or something, really into the occult. I think it's all going to tie together in the end. It looks like a fine film. I will totally watch it. But just like other Shudder originals, I will watch it going, that was good, and maybe watch it every couple of years. It really won't be a a yearly rewatch. And if I do watch this, and it is a yearly rewatch, I will make sure to let you know. But so far, I just get the feeling that this is going to be a fun, but also not super memorable Christmas horror. But if you like Christmas horror, this does look like it is one of the better ones in that in that genre. A very specific genre with movies like Krampus and Anna and the Apocalypse right at the top. Gremlins. Yeah, Sacrifice Game. It looks fine. I don't think you'd regret it if you watched it. I'll say that. The Sacrifice Game gets a 5.5 out of 11. Next up, we have a movie called Our Son, limited release this week, VOD release on the 15th. That is the week I am skipping, so I'm going to talk about it this week. A divorcing couple fight over the custody of their eight-year-old son. This stars Luke Evans from Dracula Untold, Billy Porter from Cinderella, the 2021 version with uh, Camila Cabello, or Camilla Cabello. You know, the version that had a lot of crybabies crying about it, going, oh, this has two people of color in it. It's woke. 
Also has Felicia Rashad from Creed, Robert Weigrit from Deadwood, Andrew Rannells from The Prom, Kate Burton from Big Trouble in Little China, Isaac Powell from American Horror Story, and Cassandra Freeman from Bel Air. If, if you've been listening to the show for a while, I want you to pause, watch the trailer, and then guess what I'm going to say. Because this is one of the things I repeat myself a lot on, because this applies to quite a few movies. So if you're interested, pause, watch it, come right back. Get you back? Cool. This movie looks like one of those movies that I would watch and enjoy, or, or at least think that it was really well done. It looks like Luke Evans and Billy Porter are fantastic in this. Whoever plays that kid looks like he's pulling out all the stops too. It looks fantastically acted, but also so f***ing sad that I would never watch it again. Did you guess it? To be perfectly honest, I'd be f***ing shocked if any of you even tried. Nothing against you, of course. Just why would you try? Like, who the f*** am I? So we have Luke Evans and Billy Porter playing this married couple. They have a kid. The kid is from Luke Evans's sperm, but Billy Porter is the one closer to the kid. And they decide they, to get a divorce. Like, they're, Billy Porter's really unhappy. Luke Evans is a little, maybe not there emotionally and not there for the family kind of thing. And they split. And then we get a custody battle. A custody battle that really f***s with Luke Evans and the kid. Because even though the kid is closer to Billy Porter's character, Luke Evans realizes that, oh, f I actually wasn't as there for the kid as Billy Porter was. And I love him. He is my child and I love him. And then so we have, uh, from the looks of the trailer, we have Billy Porter's character going for full custody. And so we have a movie that could be potentially, I probably should have given a trigger warning, I'm sorry, but we have a movie that could potentially even be triggering for some people, depending on your relationship with divorce. So not only is this real, like this could and probably has happened, but also we have two talented and underrated actors in lead roles. Like what is Luke Evans most known for? Dracula Untold and the Fast and the Furious series. But he can act. Through and through, this looks like such a good movie. But like I said, only a movie I can watch once. We have this scene with Luke Evans talking his mom after the divorce and while the court proceedings are going on. And we learn that even his father is not perfect. That his father accepted that his son is gay, but is, you know, bordering on problematic with it. Asking, like, who's the man and who's a woman in the relationship, which you don't ask gay people or lesbians. Or transgender. You don't, you don't ask people that. If it's not a relationship between two cisgendered people, f even then don't say that, you know? So not only does this deal with this custody battle, not only are these, are these two male parents, not only do we have to watch that, but also learn more about their lives. So I think this is going to be a really good movie that if you're anything like me, you watch it once and never again. Our son. It's an 8.5 out of 11. All right, my friends, next up we have the, I think the second to last limited movie in the uh, wide releases section called The Lord of Misrule. This is coming to limited and video on demand. So if it's not coming to a theater near you and you watch a trailer and you think, hey, this sounds good, you might be able to stream it. A desperate search for the young daughter of the town's new minister. Really? That's it? You all know I, I copy my 
synopsis is straight from IMDb. And if any of you know the answer to this question, please, for the love of God, let me know. But I don't know who writes this shit. Is this someone that worked on the movie or someone from the studio? Or is it just some random person who did it? Is IMDb like Wikipedia, where certain people, well, Wikipedia, anyone can, but with IMDb, maybe certain people can, but you don't have to be tied to the movie? Like, what kind of f***ing premise is that? All right. This stars Tuppence Middleton from Sense8, Ralph Ineson from The Witch, and David Langham from His Dark Materials. So we have this woman. She's a preacher. She's a preacher in a small town, this little village somewhere in the UK. And at this festival they have, like a harvest festival or something, her kid goes missing. And then they start looking for the kid. But the longer the kid goes missing, the longer, or and the more she looks into things, the more she realizes there's something weird going on and that maybe not everyone in the town wants to find her kid this movie gives me vibes that remind me of films like the wicker man or midsummer or 2021's wrong turn reboot or remake where we have this film and the bad guy seems to be this kind of pagany cult that that is running things under the or behind the scenes in this village because this one dude the one played by ralph Ineson, you know the main the, the father character from the witch he seems to be the one behind all of the weird pagan shit and it seems like there is some entity in the woods that will take someone each year and you just let them you fucking let them because shit will get bad if you don't you won't have a good harvest. Maybe it will come and kill more people. I don't know. Watch the movie for more. But this on the surface is familiar. But what I the feeling I get from watching the trailer is that they do something new and interesting with it, which is exactly what I want to see. I think the Lord of Misrule is definitely worth a shot. It's definitely worth a watch. But also, I think you could wait. I don't think you need to see this now. And a movie like this, I guarantee you, is going to come to one of the streaming services, one you already have. Or worst case scenario, it never does, and one day you rent it on Amazon or Apple or Vudu for a couple bucks. That's the kind of movie this is. You, you hold this in your pocket, and you watch it one day. You just don't watch it now. The Lord of Misrule, or just Lord of Misrule, gets a 7 out of 11. Future friends, next up we have a movie called Eileen. This is getting a limited release? And it's, I forgot, there's one more. There's another movie that I don't know its status, and it's this one. I just looked again, and I found some new information that apparently it premiered in select theaters last week, and I guess I forgot to talk about it, and now it's expanding this week. Eileen, a woman's friendship with a new co-worker at a prison facility where she works, takes a sinister turn. This stars Thomas and Mackenzie from Jojo Rabbit and Anne Hathaway from Les Miserables. So already this movie stars two fantastic actresses. I mean, Thomas and Mackenzie is really good. And Anne Hathaway has already proven herself to be a powerhouse. So we have this woman named Eileen, and she works at a prison. And one day they hire a new prison psychiatrist or something by the name of Rebecca. And right away, Eileen focuses on Rebecca like she is captivating. So Eileen has this weird home life. I don't know if the guy she lives with is her dad or her husband. Because Thomas and Mackenzie is young looking. So it could 
easily be either. She could still play someone young in this, like 18, 19, maybe still living at home, or be playing an adult married to this old dude for some reason. I don't know. But Eileen seems to take her down this dark path, this young, impressionable woman. And of course, the question is, with a movie like this, how much is it that Eileen is impressionable and how much of this was already inside her? But we have them form this relationship and things get dark. Okay, this is based on a book by Otessa Moshfe, who wrote My Year of Rest and Relaxation. And so I was able to find out. I didn't want to spoil anything for myself, but... Eileen is, is an adult, she's 24, but she is living with her father, who's a former police officer and an alcoholic who suffers from paranoia. So from what I read about the premise of the book, without spoiling anything for me or you, is that it looks like Eileen is just wanting to escape. She needs to escape from this, get away from her father, get away from this monotonous job. And she sees Rebecca come in and she's like, this woman. And so maybe it is that she's impressionable. So this is a period piece, takes place in the 60s, and it looks like it has some top-notch acting in it from Mackenzie and Hathaway. In this movie, or at least in the trailer, Anne Hathaway was giving me the vibes of Blake Lively from A Simple Favor, but darker. Because A Simple Favor was a dark movie, but this one looks like it goes a little darker with it. And Thomas and Mackenzie's Eileen gives me similar vibes to Anna Kendrick's Stephanie, but more innocent. I was going to say naive, but that sounds mean. More innocent. Eileen is listed as a drama mystery thriller as the first three categories on IMDb. And yeah, it fits. But like I say so many times, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry I repeat myself so often, but it it's just the way it is that this movie, just like The Lord of Misrule, just like The Sacrifice Game, just like Our Son, good-looking film, but nothing that really you gotta see right away. Eileen gets a 7.5 out of 11. Next up, Future Friends, is a, another straight-to-streaming movie, this one to Prime, called Merry Little Batman. Little Damian Wayne confronts enemies in his city after finding himself alone at Wayne Manor. This features the voices of Luke Wilson and James Cromwell. All right, so first off, let's get get it out of the way. I'm not mad at this vocal cast. I mean, do we need Luke Wilson and James Cromwell? No, we really don't. Is Are they both national treasures? Yes, they are. Are they needed for this? What is Luke Wilson bringing to the voice of Batman? And what is James Cromwell bringing to the voice of Alfred besides being a legitimately old man? But at least this cast is not stacked with actors who don't belong there. I am always going to bring up Chris Pratt when this topic arises. Merry Little Batman is a DC Christmas animated Christmas movie, and it's not in the DC animated universe. You know, a lot of those movies are tied together. Some of them, I think, are one-offs like uh, Gotham by Gaslight and Batman Ninja and things like that. But this one is one of those where it's, it's on its own. It has a very unique style. Batman looks like the cop guy from that old cartoon Time Squad and Nate the Explosion had a baby. And then you roided that baby up and never let him hit the leg day at the gym. That is what he looks like. And Damian Wayne looks more like Batmite than Robin or Little Batman, as it were. As it were. This looks cute. 
It, it looks funny. It looks stupid. It looks just mindlessly enjoyable and something you can watch with your kids. And maybe if you don't have kids, maybe watch this anyway. This animated Batman Christmas movie clocks in at an hour and 32 minutes, so honest to God, why not? If you're a fan of Batman, if you're a fan of animated films and you want to watch something for the holiday, check it out. So in this movie, Batman has to go off on a mission for the Justice League, and he promises Damien that he'd be back for Christmas. Unfortunately, he crashes his Batplane, and Damien is left home alone. That's when the Joker decides to basically f*** shit up, but in a goofy sort of way. He wants to, that's right, I forgot. The Joker wants to steal Christmas. He wants to steal all of the gifts and everything, kind of like the Grinch. So Joker gets the cast of villains together to steal Christmas, and one of the stops, of course, is Wayne Manor. Damien gets wind of this and decides, oh, hey, I am a, I'm going to go save the day dressed in a Batman suit, but not just any Batman suit, the suit that Batman made for him for when he's older. And as you expect, Damien isn't bad. I don't think he has the same backstory where he was raised by Talia Ghul as an assassin because he's living, he's a child living with Bruce Wayne. But then again, are we really going to question where this all falls in the world of Batman. No, we're not. It's a stupid, fun movie. For the love of God, just check it out if you're a fan. And if you have kids that you want to try and get into comic books and stuff like this, this is perfect. Merry Little Batman gets a 7 out of 11. My future friends, two movies left, and the movie that's not the pick of the week is called Leave the World Behind. This is a Netflix original. A family's getaway to a luxurious rental home takes an ominous turn when a cyber attack knocks out their devices and two strangers appear at their door. This stars Julia Roberts from Pretty Woman, Mershala Ali from Green Book, Ethan Hawke from The Purge, Kevin Bacon from Footloose, Mahala from Bodies, 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 Farrah McKenzie from Logan Lucky, and Vanessa Aspilaga from Only Murders in the Building, or Aspiaga, depending on where she's from. So I talked about this movie the, two weeks ago, I think, and when it came to limited theatrical release, now it's coming to Netflix. So we have kind of this sci-fi, like light, light, light sci-fi horror thriller, more like it, where we have this family and they're on a vacation and she goes down with all of the technology. They are stuck at this place. No cell phones, no TV, no nothing. These people show up at the door and basically it's their house. They rented out their house while they were on a different vacation, and this happened, and they came back. But is it them? Do they really own the place? I Honestly, I forgot if uh, there's actually proof that they own it. Like, it could be one of those actual rental properties that rich people with too many houses do, so there's nothing actually personal of theirs in it. So we have a movie that gives me severe Bird Box vibes, and that's not a bad thing. I liked Bird Box, so this looks fine too, but we have this kind of claustrophobic feeling movie that even though the world's still out there, they can go and do sh** that because of this sudden loss of technology that we're, we're alone. Because like I've said before, my wife right now is in the UK, but well, except right now, cause she's asleep. But most of the time I could message her anytime. Like that's the world we live in. We can talk to people in other countries at any time we want. 
And then what happens when that all goes away? And I know someone out there is going to say, well, that's what it was like in the 80s. No cell phones. And, you know, before the 80s, too. But, you know, a lot of us are millennials, especially I'm assuming out of my listener base. If I have any Gen Z listening to me, I would be fascinated to know. So just let me know. I mean, also, if you just listen to me, let me know. I mean, I'd, I'd appreciate that. But leave the world behind is more than just, oh, we don't have our phones. We have to talk to people again. <laughs> so this goes far beyond just being an okay boomer situation and instead realizing how much of our world relies on technology. I'm pretty sure this movie takes place in some sort of future because there's a scene where Julia Roberts and Ethan Hawke are trying to get away from this house and they're stuck on this road because there's all these cars that are just stopped in the middle of nowhere. They all look very futuristic, very modern, not modern, very futuristic, very high tech. And so now because of this cyber attack, even the roads are blocked. Like what's next? The purge is going to start? So leave the world behind is an interesting idea. And it's while it is an idea that's been done before, it also addresses it from a very contemporary lens where we're watching this realizing how the internet connects us all. This has a fantastic cast. It's a good idea. It's on a streaming service you probably already have. Why not watch it? Leave the world behind. Gives a 7.5 out of 11. And this episode is running long. I know I've rambled a lot, but there's also a lot of films coming out. But the final movie this week and the pick of the week, which my friends, if you see one film, it should be this. It's The Boy and the Heron. This is a nationwide release. A young boy named Mahito, yearning for his mother, ventures into a world shared by the living and the dead. There, death comes to an end and life finds a new beginning. A semi-autobiographical fantasy from the mind of Hayao Miyazaki. This is an animated movie from Japan! And it's available in theaters, coming out nationwide, mostly subtitled... So like I always say, unless you have some disability, a vision impairment or other disability that uh, makes it hard for you to read subtitles, don't be a bitch. Just watch it. Uh, I actually couldn't find out who was doing the dub for this because usually they pick some big actors. Uh, I could have looked, but I didn't care because watch the original voice actors with subtitles. Just do it. So famously, Hayao Miyazaki retired and they came back out of retirement, probably because his company... Studio Ghibli released The Earwig and the Witch or whatever that awful looking movie was called. I still have not seen it because it looked horrid. Is that why he came out of retirement? I don't know. Maybe he had one more story he wanted to tell or maybe he's just going to keep making movies until he dies. But either way, from this movie, we can expect what we usually get out of Studio Ghibli movies. Beautifully animated. Beautifully animated. The food's going to look phenomenal. Remember the food that the parents ate at the beginning of Spirited Away? Remember when Ashitaka and the that traveling monk guy were eating like miso soup or something around the campfire? How delicious it looked? The Studio Ghibli food always looks so good. Anyway, we know what to expect from this film. Beautiful animation and a meaningful story. A lot of Studio Ghibli movies have another, have a not really hidden meaning, but just Something else, where it's usually a conversation about man and our relationship with nature. Look at Princess Mononoke. Look at My Neighbor Totoro. With Spirited Away, we got more of a story of finding yourself and story of change. With Howl's Moving Castle, we got a movie about the horrors of war. 
And so this one is probably going to be a little more personal for Miyazaki. So maybe this could be one of his best. Princess Mononoke is one of my all-time favorite films. Spirited Away is really up there. Laputa, Porco Rosso, all these films hold a dear, dear place in my heart. But I would love it. I would f***ing love it if this film overtook Princess Mononoke. I would love it if this new film overshadowed one of my favorite films of all time. Like, I welcome that. I welcome films that displace something on my top 10, top 20, whatever list, because that means I saw something great. And I hope this is one of those films. There's going to be wonderful scenes of magic and wondrous new worlds to explore in this. Just check out the trailer. It just looks so good. And think, think to yourself, what was the worst Studio Ghibli movie you saw that was done by Hayao Miyazaki? What is it? It's probably still pretty good. For me, the worst secret is a secret world of Arietti, uh, which is just a retelling of The Borrowers. It was okay. It was fine. I still own it. I will still rewatch it, but it's far from my favorite. So even the worst Studio Ghibli movie is pretty damn good. So at the very least, you'll watch something worth your time when you see this. Best case scenario, maybe it's your new favorite Ghibli film. The Boy and the Heron gets a 10 out of 11. Well, my future friends, this has run much longer than I like to. I like to keep the shows around 30 and 40 minutes. But like I said, next week, no new episode. I will still try and do a full Godzilla review on the podcast, but be sure to follow me on TikTok. I go by Billiam the Nerd there. I already did a video talking about Godzilla, and I'm going to put out even more content on that. I will not walk away from the podcast. I love doing this, but TikTok is what I'm going to put a lot of effort into coming up. So my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.